Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, 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 diddly D. Well, all right, it's me, Dr. Fuck, with another review, and here with me, as always, is... Oh, yeah! Ian Wadley. The man, the myth, the drunk. And with us, this week, as a special guest, and let me tell you something, one of my favorites. He's only been on the show one time, but I've been fighting for him to come back. Ian, let let the people know the female we have with us this week. Oh, she's a special one. Oh, she's a San Francisco twink, but a Michigan butch. The one and only Greg Barnes is with us today. Woo! Hello, people! How are you doing today? Is that, oh, dear. Is that Greg Barnes or Richard Simmons? <laughs> Combination of both. But, you know, I, I get influenced from the greatest people on Earth. Oh, boy. There you go. <laughs> Look, if you were like Richard Simmons, believe me, we wouldn't have you on the show. That fucker's annoying. Anyway, uh... He's got a very, got a very interesting look. That, that's all I'll say about that. I love his exercise tape. So go ahead. Yeah, because you can yeah, see... Yeah, you're it. like Richard Simmons with a worse haircut. Yeah, you can see... <laughs> the reason why you watch his fucking videos is because you can see his fucking balls and those little shorts he wears. Yeah, that's uh, pretty interesting. It's right up there with Peter Steele's. So, ouch. Go ahead. Man. Oh, dear. Oh, my. All oh, right. Dear. So, uh, this week, uh, we're going to go back and finally we're going to do something where we're going to talk something about my favorite album from a band. And this is a band that we've reviewed already three times, I think. And, I believe so. And, and one of those times was two albums. So, we, re- we basically reviewed four albums from this band, and none of them are my favorite. But this week, actually. This will be our fourth, now that I think of it, our fourth. All right, so we've done Peace of Mind. Uh, Supper Time. Some, oh, yeah, Seven Sun and those... those, those, those. Oh, Seven Sun and... Oh, shoot, <laughs> it's fifth. Holy shit. Yeah, we've done five of their albums already. Wow. So here we go. Uh, we're going to do the number six and my favorite one, 666. The first Iron Maiden album. Yeah! All right, I'm the only one applauding because I'm the only one that thinks it's the best album. But what we're going to do is kind of like the Deano years, and we're going to split this show in half. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the first album, and the next episode we'll talk about my second favorite Iron Maiden album, Killers. So uh, let me go first because, you know, after all, I knew this album before you fuckers did for sure. Because, uh, how old are you, Greg? I'm 26. I was just a little sperm in my daddy's nutsack around the time you discovered well, this, 20, so I'm out of the picture. 26 in homo years is still 26. No, right? I know. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just saying that to make it easy for everyone to understand, despite the fact that it doesn't require any more detail to further include about my homo years. So go ahead. Yeah, but as promiscuous as Greg is, 26 is like 100. Yeah, I'm still around and relatively healthy. I mean, hell, I mean, I I may have been infected with the dreaded HIV, but I'm still, you know, going strong. 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'm surprised you survived Crypt Death. I'm, I'm surprised too. So, <laughs> surprised too. I'm surprised you you you, you survived Crypt, that dumb show you're on. I, I know. I mean, I, I was starting to feel really sick and symptomatic towards the end there. Thank, thank God the plug was pulled there. Yeah, I would have died. <laughs> anyway, so uh, I was the first one to buy this album because the way I discovered Iron Maiden, and I'm sure I said this in a previous episode, but I'll say it again. Um, I walked into Westland Mall, Specs Music, and I saw the album, the first album. This was back in 1980. I saw the album cover, the first Iron Maiden, and I was like, what the hell? And then I turned the album around, and I was like, holy fuck, they look just like Judas Priest. And at that time, Judas Priest was like everything to me. So I took it home, I put it on my turntable, and holy fuck. I will get into what I thought of the songs, but boy, I was not disappointed. When I took that home and I put it on with the first song, Prowler, to the last song, Iron Maiden. It was a journey that I would revisit to this day, constantly, over and over and over again. So I'm proud to say that out of all my buddies back in 1980, I was the first to discover Iron Maiden because I would tell everybody, "Come over, you got to hear this band." So I turned all my buddies onto Iron Maiden, and I'm very proud of that. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's one of the many bands I discovered by sight alone. Looking at the album cover, I said, oh, I need to buy this. And that's how it was back in the pre-YouTube days and pre-MTV days. Because, you know, there's a lot of albums I bought because of Headbatter's Ball where before there was an MTV, I would just take a chance. And uh, this one, I was a chance that I took that I was very much rewarded for. All right, Greg, uh, tell us the first time you uh, heard of this album. Well, it was a couple of years ago, and I promised to make the intro a lot shorter than last time, so you don't have to cut 45 minutes out of the episode. But uh, I first heard this debut uh, album a couple of years ago. Up to that point, I only had Number of the Beast and heard a few random select songs from various albums. And at that at that time, you know, this is before I really knew Iron Maiden. I didn't even know there were other singers besides Bruce. So that tells you how stupid I was back then. Was and so. And hey, I'm a little bit, little bit wiser, but still, you know, you know, I'm working on it. But you know, I, I didn't know there was a singer before Bruce. So then I'm looking on YouTube. I was, you know, I was looking up Iron Maiden songs, and I see, you know, Iron Maiden, Remember Tomorrow, in the Related, and I'm like, I've never heard of this song, and I click on it, and then I'm like, wow, Bruce sounds so different, and he looks so different, and I realize it's a different guy. I'm like, whoa, there's a guy before Bruce. So, the first song I heard was Remember Tomorrow. And then I posted it on the Rock and Metal Combat group on Facebook. And then, you know, I'm like, should I get into this album and all this stuff? And then, you know, Thomas Black wrote this huge ass long 15 and a half fucking paragraph narrative about what albums to pick and start off with. And so then I started getting all the Iron Maiden stuff, you know, in chronological order. And, uh,. I have all the studio stuff, and I will tell you what I think of this debut album as we go on, But and I will say that there is more to Iron Maiden than Bruce Dickinson. How about you, Ian? Oh, dear. Okay. Uh, I got into this 
Man, late. I would say, uh, I'm thinking around 88, because, uh, I, I came on board in 86, uh, was somewhere in time, and, uh, then of course, uh, you know, got, a uh, Seventh Son when it came out, and then in 88, became best friends with, you know, and still to this day with my buddy Lars Jensen, who was a huge Maiden fan. And he turned me on to Live After Death, and I really went back and got the old stuff. And I, I knew they had another singer from reading, like, Hit Parader and stuff, but I hadn't got the albums yet. Uh, I, I knew some of the songs off of this, of course, off of Live After Death. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, Lars was the one who's like, oh, my God, you got to hear the first album. He goes, it's amazing. So he let me borrow it. And uh, I was just blown away. Uh, it, it was different. It was raw, but I mean, it was still maiden to me. And you know, as years have gone on, I've, I've just grown in my appreciation for the Deano years. I, I love the rawness, uh, the punkiness of it, and it's definitely not as overblown as they would get. I mean, there's still elements of uh, progression. I think even more so on the next album, but. Uh, but man, they just had a real street level with Paul Diano, and uh, some of my favorite Iron Maiden tracks ever are on these first two albums. Absolutely uh, love this era. That's it. Okay, uh, Greg, why don't you take the first song? Absolutely, Th thank you. Um, first song is Prowler, and I tell you, what an awesome fucking opening track. Starts off with the guitar riff, really intense i love how it just kicks right into the song it's high tempo it's it's got the punk attitude almost like you know almost like a thrash attitude i love it it's so raw i love diano's you know gritty chesty vocals on it, it it's a awesome song perfect opener to this album love it it's one of my favorite all-time iron Maiden songs how about you ralph uh, yeah, first time hearing it was the first song I ever heard of Iron Maiden, and uh, just that opening riff, I'm like, da -da 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 -da. you know, it, you guys don't understand, man, back then, heavy metal was like, I don't know, very scarce, I mean, it was around, but it was hard to come by, so when you hear riffs like this opening an album, you know, you're just like, yeah, man, fuck yeah, and a little wah, 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 and, uh, you know, there's something so special about this shit because you have like the first verse and then the second verse repeats the first verse and I made them tend to do that a lot. Like Innocent Exiles that way and you know, there's several songs uh, that they just repeat themselves over and over again. But yet, it, it's awesome. You know, it's not like, I wouldn't change it. I, I, I like it as it is. I like to hear that verse over and over again. I don't care. And, um, uh, see me crawling through the bushes with the, you know it's just i don't know everything about it is good the, the band um you know there's no you know a lot of people don't don't really talk too much about dennis stratton but he was extremely important to that first album and um it's a shame it's a shame how he's kind of like the forgotten one because you know honestly i know i'm a minority of saying this but I prefer him over Adrian. I think he was a better player, uh, more like, well, well, when we get to the song, I'll talk about it. But man, he just had some really nice um, 
tasteful guitar things. And, you know, I know I, I give Justin a hard time because of Adrian, where I don't really think Adrian's horrible, but boy, I really do think he's extremely overrated. Matter of fact, I actually think the Iron Maiden twin guitar thing is pretty much overrated. Because when I hear them, hear people say, oh, it's better than Tipton and KK, I'm like, wow. You know, I don't even think they're even fucking close. Because it's just, I don't know, it's just noodly, melodic shit. But Iron Maiden with Deanna was different. It wasn't like what Iron Maiden became. And I will get more into that as uh, we get into the songs, but. Uh, Prowler is a fucking amazing song that was completely butchered in 88 when Iron Maiden went into the studio and did it again with the Seven Sun lineup. I hated it. Uh, <laughs> what do you think? What do you think, uh, uh, Ian? Uh, I, I love it. Uh, I just love that. Wow, 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 wow. Oh, man. Uh, oh, man. When that, that shit kicks in, to me, this is like pure unadulterated new wave of British heavy metal and it's so I think light years different from from 70s hard rock and heavy metal there was a big change with the new wave of British heavy metal and I mean Iron Maiden was right there you know with Saxon and you know all these other great bands that really you know showed a tipping point you know they took what metal was but went somewhere uh, with it, and uh, you know, a, a lot of different genres get their own name and their own niche, but the new wave of British heavy metal is one that definitely deserves it and, and, and is so important uh, as far as a movement and a progression of heavy metal. Uh, man, it's just, there's something so eerie and just sinister about it that I love, you know, musically, lyrically and, and vocally and I knew of Iron Maiden before I heard them but I was scared shitless you know because you know I was younger and like only bad kids listen to, to heavy metal and Iron Maiden always had these like scary album covers and posters and uh, there was a kid lived up the street from me and he was like the bad kid always getting in trouble and I went to his house one day and this is probably like 80 Four, maybe I'm 10 years old I went there and he had an Iron Maiden poster and I just remember looking at it like oh shit you know this is dangerous you know this is bad and uh but uh man I, I love it now and, and by the time that I heard this it was exactly what I wanted was something sinister and angry and evil and it did not let me down uh great fucking track great track love it uh, remember tomorrow. Well, well, we're doing the original release because I was looking at the '98 remaster track list because that's the album I got. Oh fuck that shit! What's number two on that oh. fucking thing? Uh, Sanctuary. Oh fuck that! Yeah. Dude, uh, Iron Maiden. Uh, that first album is perfect how it came out. Oh, oh we're doing we're, it that way. Yeah. Which one are we doing though? Are we doing the original? The original. The okay, so without Sanctuary. No, the original has Sanctuary. No, not the original. The, the 1980 North American version has Sanctuary. Well, that's what we're doing. <laughs> okay. We're doing what I what I bought. What I bought in 1980, man. That's the one that counts. All right. Remember tomorrow. Uh, now, here's what separates Iron Maiden to later Iron Maiden. Yeah, you got your 
Children of the Dam, my personal favorite Bruce Dickinson Iron Maiden song, you know, along with uh, I'll Be That Name. And you have your, what, what, uh, Still Life and whatever the fuck. But uh, this is different. This is like, it's mellow and it's heavy as fuck. Mellow, it goes through these tempo changes, but it's more, to me it's just, it's so organic sounding. It's not formulated. It's not, because that's my problem with Later Later Maiden. Later Maiden was not so, I don't know, Later Maiden to me sounds confined compared to this. This is like, it's beautiful. It's, it's with the little bass and the great little guitar effects and Paul Diano's amazing voice. Amazingly underrated voice, by the way. Which I, I, I dig his voice more than Bruce Dickinson. And people that say, oh, but Bruce Dickinson's a better singer. It's like, mm, well, I guess that's like uh, like how people say that Sammy Hagar is a better singer than Daily Roth. No, I'm sorry, it's, he's not. And no, Bruce Dickinson is not a better singer. Bruce Dickinson has a great voice, especially on the first uh, Maiden album. That's, you know, him... Him at his peak, though, he has improved in later years, but... Um, I love it. I love how the, the dynamic change. I love when Paul Diano hits the high notes and screams. And I don't know, I've just always been a fan of... Of more, you know, real... I, voices I can identify with, you know? Like, almost like, hey, I can do that. You know, which I, I can't be as good as Diano. I, I admit that, but... You know, when you listen to like, you know, Number of the Beast and those screams and shit, that sounds like a little too hard to maintain. Where Deanna was just more of a like, the, the, the every, every man, like how the, how the, how the British would say the punters. He, had, he identified more with the punters, where uh, Dickinson doesn't. And uh, I met, I met Paul Deanna, and let me tell you, man, that was a great guy. What a nice, humble, great fucking guy. Even though he's got a bad reputation, though. I've never met Bruce Dickinson, but uh, what I've heard, he's a complete cocksucker. And I've seen some videos of him uh, being dickish to fans. So, uh, yeah, yeah, everybody's, you know, here's Ralph doing his later maiden bashing, whatever. Um, this is my maiden. And Remember Tomorrow is fucking phenomenal. Bruce Dickinson does a live version on a B-side from the first Maiden album. Um, I believe it was for maybe Run to the Hills. Or if not, then it was uh, Number of the Beast single. And it's not too bad, but mm, I'm sorry. I'll still take piano over it. I love this song. It's fucking the shades of it are awesome. It's heavy. It's mellow. It's fucking badass. What do you think, Ian? Oh, man. I, I love it in to me, this is like a band that still hasn't defined their sound, you know, so there, you get different stuff like this where, you know, I agree what you said, you know, later it's more of a formula, like there's there's no real surprises, you know, and, and where here, this is one is that, you know, especially after you hear the first song, you know, you hear Prowler and then it goes into Remember Tomorrow, which isn't even remotely alike, and yeah, I, I think Dano's in beautiful voice. And he, he is like a David Lee Roth, you know, where it's not what people would consider technically 
uh, a great voice, but the feeling and the emotion behind it uh, makes it excel because you can tell he believes it a thousand percent. It's that attitude, that swagger. Yeah, yeah and, and I'll, I'll, I'll take that over technical every fucking time. Yeah, like like okay. uh, Ozzy, Ozzy and Dio. You know, I prefer the Ozzy stuff. You know, you know, I, I, I'm telling you this right now. I bet most people out there go, "No, nah, I like the Dio stuff more than Ozzy." Are more Bruce Dickinson fans too, like that? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's. I mean, I love both of those so much. It's they're kind of neck and neck with me. Not but then, man. Looks- though I love the Dio stuff, and I have nothing bad to say about the Dio stuff. But I'll take Ozzy and Right. But, I mean, I think it's just, uh, you know, a a true star, in in my opinion, can take those limitations and excel. You know, where somebody like, that might be considered, like, technically a, a, like, gift voice. Like, they just naturally have a good voice. Uh, You know, they kind of, they can ride a lot more, you know. Somebody like Deanna or Roth, who while may have a limited range, they really have to have that star power to take it, you know, to make it go over. And, and Roth does, and Deano does. Uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, post-Maiden, Deano never got with a solid enough band uh, to keep going, because I, I think on a lot of that solo stuff, the voice is good, it's just the music isn't there. Um but I mean, he had great music with him with Maiden. I mean, and it was a perfect vehicle for his voice. And uh, and this is just a prime example where, you know, he can do a, a beautiful song right there, you know, with the heaviest. And uh, it, it's that kind of light and shade that that makes this album and this lineup so special. Absolutely love it. Hell yeah! What do you think, Greg? Remember tomorrow? Uh, yeah, this is was the first Deano song I've ever heard, and it's it's one of my all-time favorite uh, Maiden songs, you know, including all eras, and it's my second favorite off of this album. And you two brought up really good points, you know, about the the vocalists and the comparisons, and you know, flat out, you know, I love Bruce, so I, I'm not gonna sit here and bullshit and, and say, you know. You know, because I think Bruce is the best singer out of the three, but give credit words to on those early on on those early Maiden albums, those first two, Diano is the man when it when it comes to this when it comes to those songs. I mean, you can take the most technically proficient singer on planet Earth and stick him in front of the mic and say, Here, hit these notes and do this, but you know, technical and technique. You no, know, most people don't give a shit about that. You know, it, it, it's all about the emotion and the feel and the tone of the voice. The tone is what people love the most about singing. You know, people don't give a shit about you know the, you know the the range or you know how you do this. It's about the tone and the feel. And you know, as great as Bruce is, you know, Diana was just able to capture the, this rawness. Uh, on these early recordings that that Bruce never could do as good as he is. I mean, remember Tomorrow, for example. Deano is amazing on this. I mean, such great dynamic control, that awesome soft voice, the the, the high note in the middle is great. I mean, he nails it perfectly. This is one of Deano's all-time best performances. And, And 
and, and it's and it's like you know I, I absolutely love the song uh, and yeah and about this thing about you know not having range and Roth I mean Diano has or had a great range you just don't hear it as much in the Maiden studio recordings you have to go to the live material and like the battle zone where he really shows off the, the higher end a lot more frequently like Ralph, I sent you shitloads of bootlegs from you know Diano's maiden years, and what did you think of those? Well, uh, you sent me so many that I haven't gone through them all yet, but yeah, some the ones of them you've heard are really good. Uh, uh, the '81 Japan one, I heard like two of them so far. I think that's all I've heard is like two of them, and uh, they're really good sounding. Uh, well, I think one's from Nagoya. And, yeah, that's yeah. And another one's from uh, Tokyo, I think, and uh, they sound great. And so, and, and I would like uh, uh, on our next episode, at the end, uh, uh, list uh, what are the best bootlegs to look out for out there, and maybe you know I can listen to a few more of them before we do the next episode, so I can list like you know what I consider the best Iron Maiden bootlegs. And I would like to talk about Made in Japan too, and the B sides because. I want these two episodes to focus on what I consider the greatest Iron Maiden lineup ever. Lineups. Because Killers was no slouch either. Yeah, and I and I completely respect that. That, you know, this is this is your era. You know, this is your preferred Iron Maiden. And you know what? I love Bruce, but I'm not gonna sit there and bash you for loving Diana. Well, also I also that, I mean, how do you expect to stay on this show if you're gonna bash me? Yeah, I mean, I mean, come on, that's just common sense. Yeah, but it's just delete your ass. But, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want to end up like you know some people down the road. But I, I'm just saying, you know, I, I, I wanted to send you all that stuff because I wanted to show you that hey, you know, there's some great live shows from you know this this era here, and Diano's amazing live. Back in the maiden days, I mean, he could match his record performances you know, fairly, you know, consistently and even go beyond the studio and, you know, remember tomorrow being a prime example. It's it's a great song. I absolutely love it. No complaints. Uh Deano's the man on that song. The only you know, the only complaint else. the only complaint I do have of all you sent me is I don't understand why you sent me that picture of Burt Reynolds on a bare rug. Uh, well, it was a it was a bonus image that came with one of the you know one of the shows, and plus I thought it looked good personally. Oh, okay. So I was uh, a little and, confused by it. And let me ask you, Greg, because you have a unique perspective on this, you know, being a later fan, uh, and all your other different special attributes. If you if you could blow either one of these singers, would would you blow Deanna or Dickinson? Uh, that's a really good question because Diano has more of the working class cock. You know, it's it's the everyman cock that you know more people can relate to. But with Dickinson, you know, he's more of the supreme king, the empire, the white collar. You know, he's got the white collar cock, and it and it may function a little bit at a higher level, but it's not as good on some levels as an everyman's cock. So. You know, it depends on my mood, to be honest. If I'm in, in for some blue-collar cock or white-collar cock. Well, I can tell oh, you so this, that uh, Bruce Dickinson probably has the bigger cock, but Paul Diano can make you come. It's not, not, not a bad analogy. No, you know, you probably found out about what I was writing, so you're probably right on that. But, um, 
But yeah, I mean, I love both those singers. So, you know. Now let, let me ask you this. Uh, I believe that uh, Bruce Dickinson is an anteater. Is that a deal closer? Um, it's pending. Okay, because I, I, I mean, not everybody wants to peel back the wrapper to eat the candy, hey. you know. And uh, I, I, was, I was just curious. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's no skin off my back. Okay. Oh. Uh, okay. Uh, should I take the next one? Yeah, sure. Uh, Running Free, by far my favorite track on the debut album. I love this song to death. Absolutely love it. It's 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 raw. It's catchy. The I, I love the, the bump rhythm throughout. It, it's such a great song overall. Diano is gold on it. And everybody turns in an amazing performance. And it's just it's an awesome it's an awesome song. Enough said, no complaints. And I, I love it. How about you, Ian? Uh, I think it's incredible. It's the meat and potatoes rock and roll that is so sorely missing from Iron Maiden in this day and age. I, I think there's no way Steve Harris would let a song this basic and primal on a on an Iron Maiden record. And that's why Book of Souls sucks so much. Uh, they need more of this. Because it is raw, or Greg, like you like to call it, bareback. Uh, you know. I like my bareback maiden, so go ahead. <laughs> yeah, because you can't feel it, you know, with a rubber on. Uh, oh. it, you know, it, it, this is, this is, to me, songs like this are just as important to the overall sound of Maiden as an epic like, you know, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, you know. And unfortunately, they keep trying to do Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner over and over and over. They just have all these songs that you know, aren't worth being 10, 18 fucking minutes, when what they really need to try to recapture is a song like this, 3 minutes and 22 seconds of pure metal aggression, primal rock and roll, uh, you know, sorely lacking in, in Iron Maiden, but this is what made them, what they, have made them, uh, you know, what they are, and, uh, Man, I wish they'd harken back to this because this is this is what never gets old. Every time a new Maiden album comes out, I, I think for most people, if they're honest, there might be one or two songs that you like, but you probably won't give the album repeated listings. Where an album like this, you will go back to over and over again, and you don't get sick of it because there's no fat to cut. It's just pure fucking hard rock and metal, you know? Amazing, absolutely love it. What do you think of Running Free? The first single, by the way. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, I would have to say, technically, it's my favorite song on the album, though there is a song I like more, but we'll get into that more. Uh, I'll explain why I uh, like Running Free on the album more than that other song that I think is better. But what I love the most about this album is the production. And, and, and the album. The album gets a lot of shit. Steve Harris, a lot of people like give it a lot of shit because it, it doesn't sound good. I don't, man, I wouldn't want Running Free to sound any different than it does on the album. That crunchy part, that crunchy guitar going on, that, that part, it sounds like almost like a saw 
you know, like cutting through wood, you know, it's just so, oh, I love it. I love it so much. And again, another song that repeats itself verse-wise that I would love it to stay that way. And, um, and it's dangerous. It's like, you know, the song sounds like, you know, I mean, I get the feeling of, you know, Paul Diano smacking some like fucking new wavers and then hauling ass, you know? Uh, run, running away laughing, you know, uh, you know, people will try to chase them and try to catch them, you know, I get that, that vibe from this song, it's like, it's just a dangerous song, something that's so lacking in uh, non-Diano and Maiden years, it, it became a history lesson after that, you know, I would say this is the best song on the album, as far as on the album, because the next song Phantom of the Opera, the epic, which uh, there's a live B-side. I believe it's from Ruskin. I, I could be wrong. But whatever the fucking B-side is where Diano uh, introduces it and calls Steve a cunt. Remember that? You, you guys heard that one? <laughs> yeah. That version, I like. I, I like it more than anything on this album. That live version. Now, nothing against the studio version of Phantom of the Opera. I think it's great, too. Uh, it's but there's just more fire and grit in that in that live version. It just like fires in all cylinders. Where this, where we're gonna go to the studio version. Here is where a blatant, glowing example why I enjoy Iron Maiden more. And here's my examples. If you listen to Phantom of the Opera, as well as just about every song with piano, you know Steve Harris always gets this praised as one of the greatest bass players ever. Oh, he's fucking amazing. But but people really judge Steve Harris from more the Dickinson stuff. And I don't think he is that amazing on the Dickinson stuff. I think he's amazing here. Here on, on Killers, he's all over the fretboard and he makes it work. Where later on he became like a galloping like... Dun, 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 dun. He bought a horse. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it's very restricted. He doesn't, he's not all over the, it, it, it's just, it's too confined, you know, what he does later on. We're here, it's adventurous, it's pissed off. Phantom of the Opera is a fucking pissed off song, full of fire and vinegar and fucking, oh my god, it's just like, oh, all that killer riffage going on and and fucking uh, the rapid fire vocals and, and it's just... And then the little changes, you know, keep your distance, walk away. Holy fuck, dude. That shit is so killer. And then it goes into that emotional guitar solo. And I'm sorry, man. I'll take Dave Murray any day over Adrian. Uh, everybody who Adrian, no, no, Dave Murray. Even though Dave Murray is very noodly, I love what he does. That solo, that emotional solo. It's just so, oh, man, so great. And the drumming, you know, Clyde Bird's like, man, I love Nico, but fuck that, Clyde Bird. Clyde Bird is the fucking greatest main drummer, according to Bruce Dickinson, too. But, uh, oh my God, Phantom of the Opera, seven minutes of fucking intense awesomeness. Thank you. Greg? Oh, I, I love Phantom of the Opera, and... And it's a good thing you pointed out, you know, that the live versions, because I do prefer the the early live versions with with Diano, you know, over the record version. 
Although, you know, the, the record version is absolutely amazing. I, I love it. I believe this is the first main song to introduce the gallop. Is that is that it? Uh, uh, like, a, I think it's the first that has the gallop in it. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Because I, 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 I was listening to the other day, I'm like, hey, there's the fucking horse. But, um, but yeah, I, I love it. It's, it's Maiden being, you know, he- heavy metal and progressive at the same time, and it works great. This is... This is the kind of stuff I like to see him do when they want to go into more of the prog direction because everything fits, nothing is overstretched. It, it sounds like, you know, a real big effort was put into this song <coughs> to make it sound as great as it could. Whether, you know, I'm not I'm not bashing later Maiden or anything, but, you know, I would take, you know, early Maiden over later stuff. But a lot of the later stuff where they put the songs long, you know, eight, nine, ten minutes onwards, it sounds like two or three or four songs copy-pasted into one another, slapped together, and then put on the record. Whether it's on stuff like this, it sounds like one cohesive piece of song that has tons of effort put into it, and it sounds amazing. I love everything about it, and it's, 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 it's a great song. And, you know, I, I may get flack for this, but, you know, I'm, I'm prepared. I, I got a little bit of a... You know, spine here when it comes to this, but you know, you know, I do prefer Diano on the early stuff over Bruce. But I will say, in Bruce's defense, this is one of the few Maiden songs that he that he doesn't that he does you know a convincingly good job. I mean, there's some that it doesn't suit his voice at all. But I think the songs that have more of a less of a slight of a raw approach and little and, and stuff I think Bruce does a better job on but I would still take Diano Diano's takes on the song for Bruce but but yeah I, I, I love Family Opera it's a it's a great song and I was listening to another one of your Iron Maiden episodes you know a little earlier this week and and you know it was that no prayer for the dying one which I think it, which I think is funny, by the way. I know you guys don't like it, or Ian doesn't like it. No, no, like no, it. Ian, I love that fucking episode. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, Ian doesn't like it. And here's like, I like Mother Russia just fine, but to hear that being put over Phantom of the Opera is being a better song. Look, you know, I may be, you know, a little bit screwed up in the head, but. Phantom of the Opera is clearly the better song. I mean, I know you had Billy Corgan on your on your podcast that time, but still, <laughs> I mean, come on. Wait, wait, Phantom wait. Did somebody, did, did somebody say Mother Russia was better than Phantom of the Opera on that episode? Yeah, go go back to that. You had you had uh, you had you have you know your two guests were saying it was just as good or better, and then they slammed the production on on this album. They both so, they both have ass in it. Oh yeah, I mean here in the I listened to that sober too, so I, I remember that. And it's like, come on, Phantom of the Opera is amazing. Love it. How about how about you, Ian? Um Well, I know it's an unpopular metal opinion. Uh, you know, but but I, I'm edgy and misunderstood and uh, uh And do not know sm- does not know what a vagina smells like. Yeah, no, no, I haven't a clue. Uh, my least favorite, my, my least favorite song on the album. Uh, I love it now, and by saying it's my least favorite, 
tells you how much I love this album. But this is the song that uh, took me the longest to get into. And I don't know if it's because I was into the Bruce era first, where that's uh, really much more smoother. And this song is very kind of perky jerk, you know. Take you know, it's like you don't really have that with the with the Bruce. It's more like an ah, you know, kind of more soaring, where this is more stomping. I love the song now, but it took me a long time. I would always, you know, get like halfway through the song and skip it. Plus, it was really long, uh, you know, to me when I was younger. As the years went on, I totally went on to appreciate the song in a whole new light. But it's funny, I see newer Iron Maiden fans uh, kind of have a similar opinion. And I don't really judge them or get mad because I think back to when I was a newer Maiden fan... And I, you know, I, I just always kind of chuckle when I hear somebody say that because I'm like, you know what? Give it time and then you'll appreciate the genius of Phantom of the Opera. But to me, it definitely wasn't one I got, you know, the first, you know, fuck, you know, 100 listens. I didn't appreciate the genius. Now I do. And I love the song, but it is still, uh, I would say, my least favorite. But, but again, that's, you know, spoiler alert. Uh, I love every track on this album, and that that's not a slight on it. I just I prefer the others more. I know wow. that's unpopular, but I'm wow. edgy. I'm edgy <laughs> like that. I'm cool. Yeah, because I, I love you. I, I remember uh, the first time I heard it. This album. I mean, I remember Phantom of the Opera. Like, I got it right at once. And I remember my buddy, who was a bass player. I told him, "Oh man, I played him that song." specifically and he was like into punk rock he wasn't really into right. metal and uh i played him that i go dude you gotta hear this guy you know that whole bar that you know that whole thing and you know the whole bass playing on the song i mean this is like i mean going proggy but not boring proggy you know not like you know you're where the wind blows bullshit um and, <laughs> and uh that song just blows and, and uh, but this is oh, like, it is proggy, but it's proggy in a very cutthroat, you know, just very in your face, you know, you know, where, where, where the wind blows is, it's proggy, but it's kind of like, you know, powdering your face, where this one's just beating the fuck out of your face. So, uh, yeah, it's weird how this one, it, it took you a while to get into, but... Yeah, and I, but but I mean you know how it is, Ralph. There's there's stuff that you didn't get at first, and also yeah, you know you you used to swear up and down you like Killers more, and and now you yeah. like this one more. So and and so, uh, and if you go back to somewhere in time, I disliked the uh, loneliness of the long distance runner. Now I love that song. Right, well, that song sucks. Yeah, you see. Oh, yeah, you suck. No, no, no. Hey, you know what? Greg Barnes may have a point, but. Greg Barnes, go back, you know? I mean, I thought no, for... No, 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 I'm, I'm, not, I'm not yelling at him because he doesn't like the song. I'm just saying, you suck cock. That's oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's true. It's not a judgment. Well, yeah, yeah I well, mean, there's a difference. Well, fuck. Uh, yeah, Ian, well, water is wet. I mean, come on. Yeah. Sky's blue. Yeah. Well, but... I was, it was, seriously, though, you, you don't like that song? I, I, I honestly don't. I mean, oh. it, I, 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 don't, I don't get it. I think it's sloppy, and it just doesn't... I, I, I don't like it. I mean... 
I don't hate the album as much as, you know, Ralph, but it's the weakest album for me in the 80s that Maiden did. You know, you know one, uh, and, and I can't remember, I, I want to say you don't like it, Ralph, but one that as much as I've always loved that album, that, that my appreciation just grows more and more is uh, Sea of Madness. But you don't no, like that song. No, I, I liked it better um, when it was called, uh, what was the song they ripped that off? I think it was like Fled Anchors or something. I forgot. Okay. But there's a song that sounds like Sea of Madness. Like a rainbow, I don't know, man. I just something about that album, man, really, really bothers me a lot. And it was even when it first came out. I, I when it first came out, I went out and bought it, you know, because fuck, it's Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden did no wrong up to that point. Even though, you know, I was not the biggest fan of Bruce Dickinson's voice on Live After Death, but that's a live album, you know. They did no right. wrong studio wise. You know, with the exception of, you know, a song here and there, Quest for Fire, I didn't like, and Gangland, oh, I, and Vader, you know. See, I, I love all those songs. Yeah, I don't I don't like those songs. Like, Power Slave? Dude, there ain't one song on Power Slave I don't love. I think that album... I love Power Slave. I think that whole album is great. Where, But still, Number of the Beast is my favorite with Dickinson, and it has two songs I don't like. But yet... I, I still like it more than Power Slave. You know what I mean? Because the songs, because the songs you like, you really like. Because like they're Howl my favorite. See, see, to me, as much as I love uh, Number the Beast, I'm just so burned out. Like, I really never want to hear fucking Hollow Be That Name again. Well, and I love that well, song. Well, here's the thing, Ian. I mean, I think the greatest Van Halen album is the first one. But I'm burnt out on that, too. It's, I still think it's the best album. You know what I mean? I may be burnt out on it, but, uh, you know, Back in Black is my favorite Brian, Brian Johnson album. But if I'm going to listen to some ACDC, it'll probably be for those about to rock or flick in the switch, you know? But uh, I still think I, that's the best album, you know? And, you know, I don't listen to Guns N' Roses, I'm Type of Distraction, just about never. And I still think that's the best album, so that's the way right. I, I, I say these things. You know what I'm saying? I hear But, uh, okay, uh, are we done with, uh, what was it, Phantom of the Opera? Yes. All right. Yep. Then we flip it over to Transylvania on the North American version. I hope the other version started with this song, too. Yes, um, it does. Again, just like Phantom of the Opera, here's a continuation of pissed off, full of fire, taking chances, not in no box, a crazy fucking instrumental. Uh, yeah, dude, I love uh, just the beginning of it. You know, it's like right out the bat, it's just fucking crazy riffage. And then, dun, 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 you know, that's to me, this is Iron Man, and this is the closest Iron Maiden can get into a box. But it's like they're, they're, they're doing that, you know, almost like the Bruce Dickinson shit, like you know, keeping it, you know, steady, steady, uh, you know, on that one path. But then it just fucking takes a left turn and breaks that box and goes ape shit here and there and back to the box, then out of the box. It's like, oh my God, Transylvania is awesome. And what a great title, you know, Transylvania. I mean, when, when I think of Transylvania, like for an instrumental, it's like, wow, that's such a great title for this instrumental. It's just like the title fits the music so perfectly. And, but then again, I've never been to Transylvania. Probably when I go there, it's kind of like Sea of Madness. <laughs> or Lost for Words. 
which is still a cool instrumental. But... Hell and, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 like I said, every song, Back to the Village, Kiss My Ass. That's a great fucking song. So many love people it. bash I, that I love one. that one. A lot of people say, oh, Back to, uh, dude, Back to the Village like, rocks, man. You serious people hate that? I've seen a lot of people online bash that song. Hey, yeah. hey, hey, on your show, didn't Mr. Mr. T kind of trash that whole album? Oh, yeah, and you heard me. I was pissed because I, ra- I ranked it as my favorite or one of my favorites. <laughs> it's like, I can't believe that. It's, it's a great song. It's under the most underrated one off Power Slave. You know, at one time, I did think Power Slave was the best Iron Maiden album of Davidson. Just like I thought Killers was the best album, you know, period. Uh, but now I recant. It's the fourth best. I like it more than Peace of Mind. And I love Peace of Mind. Peace of Mind, I'm a little... You want to talk about an album I'm burnt out on. I, I, I don't know what I'm more burnt out on, Peace of Mind or... or or number number of the beast because here's the thing here's the difference between peace of mind and number of the beast number of the beast I'm burnt out on but I still love there's some of peace of mind that I loved at one time that not only am I burnt out of I don't even like it anymore I'm not a big fan of revelations anymore I kind of that's bored. just crazy talk yeah it's true man I, if you listen to really yeah wow. dude that song is kind of like man eh, whatever yeah you know? you're just trying to be unpopular and cool whatever. Vagina, how does it work? <laughs> I have no idea. I, I've got the directions and I can't figure this shit out. <laughs> wonder what the hell that is. Uh, I, but I'm just kidding. I, I, I fuck more fat chicks than any of those box got haters. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know how to open the thing up. I just keep pounding it on the desk. I'm like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I see why you just gave up altogether, Greg. Oh, yeah, because I don't know how it works. I I want I, I didn't have anyone to come over and say, hey, this is how it works. And give me some an instruction manual or something. I don't know how this fucking thing works. It looks like it's a toothless fucking monster here. What hair going on? You know? What the fuck? You know? <laughs> yeah, at least you know when you're doing something right with a dick. It's like you know it's like when the tooth is done. The little tab sticks out, and you take it from there. It's like, I, I'm working to become a better person. I got you two to thank, so there you go. Oh, and also, um, I, I have um, I have a quick question uh, for, for you, Ralph. Absolutely not, man. I only let girls suck my cock. All right, well, fair enough. Uh, moving on. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> nudge, nudge, wink, wink, say no more. Big a ball. Go ahead. What's but, your question? Uh, uh, question is, um, for um, for peace of mind, um, what what is it about Revelations that you don't like now? Because you because it's a song that you grew to not like. Is it is it burnout or it was like eh better songs or what was it? I think it has an age properly. I think that's the best way to say it. It doesn't. It was a song, and, and this is very rare about me because a lot of times people say, oh, it doesn't age well, and I'm like, I don't identify with that because once it sounds good, it sounds good forever for me. But there are some exceptions, and I would have to say that one is an exception. Like, um, And believe it or not, there was a time I loved Come On, Feel The Noise, and that, that one kind of it hasn't aged well with me either. Uh, there's a, it's only a handful of songs I can name that. At one time, I loved it, and now it's like, I just don't like it anymore. Um, uh, there's another one. Um, 
Oh man, I'm trying to think. It was a Judas Priest song that I used to love. And I'm kind of like, eh, I don't even like it that much anymore. Now I can't remember what it is. But, it, oh, uh, Between the Hammer and the Anvil. I used to love that song. And now it's kind of like, eh, don't really care for it anymore. But, um, uh, going back to Revelations. Yeah, there's something about, it was a song that I dug, though. See, I dug, um, Peace of Mind a lot as a kid. But, and another song on the album that, it, 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 it's, it hasn't aged that's bad. But I used to like it much more with Die With Your Boots on. I still don't think it's a bad song, but I don't think it's a, it's, a, it's as awesome as I thought it was at one point. I never liked Quest for Fire. And I love uh, Sun and S Steel and Sunlight. What is it called? Yeah, S Sun and Steel. Sun and Steel I love. I love that song still. And that's a total deep filler track, you know? And Tame a Lamb, which they did play live, but I, I think that song still. I think pretty much the rest of that album, but those uh, three songs are kind of like, yeah. But the rest is awesome. I love, love, love Flight of Icarus. That song I never get sick of. And you want to yeah. talk oh, about yeah. the song that's the most overplayed from that album? That and The Trooper. And I, I still love both those songs immensely. So there you oh, go. Yeah, I love, I love Flight of Icarus. That, that's probably that, that's definitely my favorite off uh, Peace of Mind. I love that song, dude. Yeah, it was the most played song. Back then, uh, the trooper mm -hmm. now. Icarus, Dickerus, Doc. Greg Barnes was sucking my cock. Oh! <laughs> oh! Fact! Fact? Did you just yell fact? Yep. <laughs> At least I'm honest. <laughs> oh, boy. But, uh, yeah. I was, I was trying to get popular. Yeah, it'd be a gay is very popular right now. Are you are you part of that group, uh, Greg Barnes, uh, unpopular metal opinions? No, and from I'm shocked. I was... No, no. Here, here's the thing. A, you can't get in if you get pussy. B, you can't get in if you get dick. Talk about elitists. Wow. Yeah, it's like it's like I'm fucked. I can't get in that group. Yeah, because you got fucked. Yeah, yeah, that, that's so right. There you go. So, there yeah, you go. I'm fucked. Therefore, I can't get in the group because you've been fucked. Yeah. Uh, who was? Uh, oh, James McCormick said uh, they denied him because he has a job and doesn't <laughs> live at home. <laughs> I'm glad they put my picture there. You see that picture? It's fucking awesome. It's I like love it. it's like them insulting me, but uh, and it, it has me talking about me getting laid. Like it's like. Wow, can you come up with something better? Anyway, whatever. Uh, I will continue talking about that group whenever the fuck I feel like it. And I won't talk about them when I don't feel like it. Fucking, fucking Sea of Madness fans. Sorry, you. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, what's next? Strange. No, no, we all talked about no, uh, well, Yeah, uh, Greg, have you talked about Transylvania? No, um, I love it. Great, great instrumental, and it's called and Transylvania, know, not transsexual. Oh. Yeah, well, it starts with the same, you know, five letters. So yeah. give me a fucking break. Right, uh, but, fact, <laughs> fact. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I love, I love Transylvania. Great instrumental work. I love the guitar work and the guitar harmonies between Dennis Stratton and Dave Murray. And yeah, um, yeah, Stratton is very underrated. You know, and yeah, I love Adrian, but you know, give Stratton credit. He was on the first album, such an influential and amazing album. 
and I love his guitar work. And, you know, he, you know, Stratton, you know, it's a shame how he got, you know, sacked from the band, but, you know, he, he was big into, you know, progressive, you know, the progressive stuff. He, you know, he wanted to add, you know, harmonies and back and both the fan and opera to make it sound like Queen, which I would have dug, but, but, you know, he, he was, he liked progressive rock and he, you know, he preferred playing the more progressive stuff and, and that's how he got pushed out of the group and booted because he was going into a different musical direction than, you know, Harris. And, but yeah, I absolutely love Dennis uh, Stratton's playing on, on here. And, you know, amazing song, love it too. And it's an instrumental done right. How about you, Ian? Oh yeah, uh, I dig it. And, and it. and it shows you how edgy uh, Iron Maiden were back then because back then it was popular to have lyrics and uh, they said fuck that we're gonna be cool and and do an instrumental and I love it and I wish they did more instrumentals because I love this you know I, I love Lost for Words and uh, I, I mean you know Genghis Khan too I mean it, it's a, it's more that's more of an intro to me uh, but you know where this Lost for Words are fully constructed songs and man i love it and at four minutes and and you know ralph said it perfectly transylvania what a great name for it and i remember when i first bought this and i'm looking at the song list you know the track list and i couldn't wait to hear this because i didn't know it was an instrumental and i was like oh god yeah these guys would be perfect to sing about transylvania and i was like ah fuck it's an instrumental but i loved it i loved it and uh I thought it was so awesome when they put it on. Uh, I, I know a lot of people hate this. Almost everybody hates a real live one and a real dead one. But I love that they put this on a real dead one. Uh, you know, to bring this back on the set list. Because I saw them on the Fear of the Dark tour. Uh, that was the first time I saw Maiden. And they didn't play it live here in the States. But, oh man, I, I would have fucking went batshit, you know, if they played this when I saw them. Uh, great one. Uh, definitely need some more of this. All right, well, then we go into Strange World, which is really um, the forgotten song on this album, if there is such a thing. Uh, you just really never hear anybody talk about Strange World. Um, you know, uh, not played live. I, I mean, I don't know if they played it live, uh, you know, back in the day, but I'm saying, like, nowadays, you could almost see any of these songs being played except Strange World. Uh, I absolutely love it. Once again, you know, it's you know similar to Remember Tomorrow in the tempo and the slowness, but absolutely beautiful vocals uh, by Paul Diano. And uh, uh, this is something that, you know, is kind of missing from, from Killers, it is tracks like this and uh, Remember Tomorrow. I mean, they do have Prodigal Son, but Prodigal Son to me is like its own... Fuck, man, that, that, that's like Achilles' last stand. It's own zip code on that one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's one a lot of people don't talk about, but I always try to play and promote and get the word out about Prodigal Son because, like, wow, you know, people need to hear this shit. I've put it on my Facebook page I don't know how many times. Um, but that really is, to me, like I said, it's like Achilles' last stand or fucking cashmere. It's just like, wow. But I, I just love the straight-up, like, ballad approach of, of Strange World. Uh, 
absolutely beautiful. And once again, you know, this is a band that hasn't defined yet who they are. And and Ralph, you know, I said it before. Ralph said it, you know, earlier. Uh, described it perfectly. They got too set in their ways later on with Bruce Dickinson. Here, you know, it's just like, hey, let's play whatever and see what sticks. And here they still didn't know where they were. But that is the charm of this record and of this lineup, is that you don't know what's coming next. Where, you know, every time you buy a new Maiden album, you know what's coming next. You know, basically. Like, because you've heard it all before. And, you know, luckily you heard it shorter. But, uh, you know, a perfect <laughs> song like uh, Strange World, man. Uh, absolutely love it. What do you think, Greg? Oh, I, I dig this song. This is this is another one, you know, it, as you said, it's not talked about. To me, it's the most underrated song uh, off the album. I love it. And, yes, it was played live back in the day. Um, it sounded just as good. Um, and, yeah, I love it. And, like, remember tomorrow, this shows off the... You know the the softer Paul Diano vocals. You know is it naturally is has the you know the gritty voice. You know the chesty gritty, you know style. But you know on tracks like this and Remember Tomorrow, he shows off his natural, clean, softer voice, and he sounds amazing. So so you know, so, so you would you enjoy Paul when he's soft just as much as when he's hard? Absolutely, man. I'm Ooh. telling you the facts. Fact. Oh, so he ain't but, all about the cock. Well, well, yeah, well, no, I, I, I think this proves that he is in any form or any shape. I don't discriminate, so right. there you go. <laughs> so, but yeah, I love Strange Roll. It's great, and, and you know, about again about the vocals. I look, you know, Diano, Dickinson, Blaze, all three completely different singers. But you know, mostly it, it falls on you know Dion versus Bruce a lot of time and. Yeah, they both have their strengths to each other and but Paul is definitely an underrated singer. I mean, you know, he, he's got a you know, he, he had a great range, uh, you know, good sense of melody, great tonal versatility, because you know, as much as I love Bruce, and you know, he, he can do a lot more with his voice in terms of stylistic versatility. But when it comes to like tonal versatility, you know, Paul is just as good, if not better, because Paul can roughen it up, but he can also, you know, ease back and sing, you know, very almost like a mezzo voice, and it just sounds so awesome to to, to to hear like that voice, and it's like, man, it's like if you get people sitting on Paul Diano's vocals, you know, give it, play that track and go look at, you know, we have a great singer here, so. Yeah, fuck the haters. Strange World, great, amazing song. Love it. Uh, Greg, real quick, what do you think of Blaze Bailey? Um, in Maiden or in general? Both. Um, outside of Maiden, I like some Wolfsbane. Uh, I haven't really heard his solo stuff, so I can't really say much. But I think he's got a good voice. But, oh, man, you talk about try, trying to fit so, something, you know, a square into a, into a round hole, no pun intended, because it's like... He doesn't fit in Maiden, all right? You know, you know, he sang out of his range, and it, you know, it sounds bad on the record. Sounds terrible live on the Bruce and the Diano, and on his own stuff. Some of it wasn't his fault because he sang with allergies throughout most of the tours. But, you know, but I blame that on Steve Harris because he was stupid 
you know, he was too stupid to lower the fucking keys, you know, on songs because if, if you're going to be singing with Maiden, you have to have a solid fucking range up to the upper fourth lower fifth. Blaze doesn't have that because he naturally has a lower range than Bruce and Deano. So, yeah, I, I didn't dig, you know, Blaze and Maiden, but some of that wasn't his fault. And, and I actually feel more sorry for him than anything. That's my take. Interesting. Well, Ralph, what do you think of Strange World? Uh, wow, yeah, what a great fucking song. Um, love the vocals, love the, the, the vibe of it. And again, it, uh, like Transylvania, I, I feel like the title really does match the music. And uh, I just love it. I love the melody. I love the way piano uh, delivers it. And uh, it just shows a different shade of Iron Maiden, which, again, you know, it's like, this is a band that's not in a box. This is a band that can do whatever the fuck they want, you know? And it's, it's, it's a shame because I don't know why. I mean, I guess I know why they changed their sound. But you know what a lot of people don't seem to understand? You know, a lot of people are like, well, Iron Maiden never would have became big with Deanna. And these are idiots that weren't around back then. Because Iron Maiden was huge. They were like... Paul put them on the map. That, yes. That, that, those two albums, believe me. Bull, trust me when I tell you this. They were brand new. But, well, you know, it, you know, you have your exceptions. Your Guns N' Roses, Boston, and whoever the fuck. Where their first album blows up so big. But most bands, even like Van Halen, and, and you know, it, it's a gradual climb. You know, ACDC took how many albums? You know? And you're going to tell me they would have never became big with fucking, without uh, Bon Scott? I'm sorry, but right when Bon Scott died, Highway to Hell was their breakthrough album. You know? Just back and black just went more retarded. But it, it would have went more retarded with Bon. I'm sure it would have, you know? And I, I, I know, I bet you anything, if Deanna would have stayed in Maiden, they would have still been on that same path they were on because they were a band that was poised and right there to become huge and um, and I feel like uh, and you know the first album I remember dude I remember when when the first album came out that would run around telling everybody Iron Maiden this Iron Maiden that you started to see them like little you know little blurbs in Circus Magazine and this and that but when Killers came out, it was even a bigger push where I heard Ratchild on the fucking radio. The radio was playing Ratchild a lot. During, the, wow. during 1981, I heard Ratchild all the fucking time on the radio. Then it just stopped, you know? It, you know, it went to the peak and then, you know, you stopped hearing it. Then when Number of the Beats came on, you heard uh, fucking um, Run to the Hills a lot on the radio. I remember hearing, you know what I heard a lot on the radio? Uh, Cross-Eyed Mary. Uh, they were wow. Playing, yeah. Oh, the, the, the cover, that's... Yeah, wow. the, the, the radio down here played Cross-Eyed Mary a lot. And, uh, but anyway, going back, Iron Maiden with uh, Killers was, did believe me, they, they were known. It was just still, you know, the, the core base. And by the time Iron Maiden Number of the Beast came out, it didn't take long for that shit to succeed. And believe me, all the fucking metalheads that were into the Deano shit gravitated to Number of the Beast. Because it's a, it's an exceptionally great album. 
So, you know, and, and I loved it too. And I was out there buying it. I bought it on fucking vinyl like two, three times, you know. And then on CD a couple times, you know. And I even owned it on cassette. But my, my point is that people people think Iron Maiden, oh, it's because of Dickinson that got huge. It's like you weren't there, dude. Because if you were there, you'd understand that, you know, fucking Iron Maiden was already becoming big. They just didn't reach that yet. The next album would do it, but Deanna left. You know, just like the next album would have done it for Bon Scott. I honestly do believe that, you know? But uh, yeah, there there you go. I love Strange World. It's a great fucking song. Another testimony uh, of the greatness of this band that did not stick to a formula and did whatever the fuck they want and, and really experimented and it worked. Where now they're just fucking scared shitless to get out of that box. Thank you. Alrighty. Alright, well the next song and my personal favorite on the album is Charlotte the Harlot. Or no, I'm sorry. We're doing the North American Sanctuary. Sanctuary's next Yeah, yeah, Sanctuary. Uh, I fucking love Sanctuary. Uh, and, and this, you know, like we were just talking about it, it wasn't on the original, uh, the the European pressing. Wow, it that's was, it fucking was a, lame. Yeah, it was released as a single, but it wasn't on the album. Uh, and, and there was two singles uh, released from the album. Uh, Running Free was the first one, and then they released Sanctuary after the album was released. Uh, but man, I, I, and this is one that I knew from, uh, you know, uh, from Live After Death. Uh, and, and all those ones that, you know, I knew from Live After Death, well, that's why I first fell in love with them when I really got to appreciate them is, is when I heard this album. Because uh, I'm, I'm much like you, Ralph. I'm not so much on uh, Bruce singing the Paul stuff. I mean, you know, it, it, it works on, on Iron Maiden, you know. And, and I, I do like his version of Running Free, but to me, the, the, the perfect versions will always be the Deano versions. And uh, Sanctuary is just... It, it's and it's so Paul Deano. That's the thing too. I mean, especially when you would see like what you said, everything turned into a history lesson and all this stuff. Uh, you know, when, when Paul was there and had his little input, a little bit say, you saw even lyrically it was kind of more in tune with who he was as a person. And that's what he was. He was just a rowdy, drinking, drug-taking madman. And, and and this kind of song just suits him perfect. Absolutely love it. What do you think, Ralph? Uh, yeah, Sanctuary. Uh, fucking heavy, fast, furious. The total definition of uh, the new wave of British heavy metal. And, you know, one of the reasons why I feel Iron Maiden with Paul Diana was the best out of the bunch. You know, I love Saxon, you know, Diamond Head, Angel Witch. I love all that shit. You know, Def Leppard, no matter what Joe Elliott tries to tell you. Uh, On Through the Night, fucking the EP, you know, all that early shit. That's the new way of British heavy metal. But these guys were more leaders, I think. I felt like they were the leaders. With Deanna, they were the leaders. Samson, not so much. And um, this song is great. This song is also featured on uh, that compilation of the new age of British heavy metal that Lars put out. Uh, yeah. Which is a different version. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe 
it's either this version that they left off the album or the part that the one that Lars put out was originally on a compilation called Metals for Mothers. You guys have heard of this? Yes. Yeah, there yes. Was, I never owned it, but I remember hearing this back in the day that this song was on there. Now, I, I don't, not, you know, and to tell you the truth, I had no idea until this episode, recording this, that Sanctuary was left off the first album. Is there, an, is there a song that took its place? No, no, it, no was, it was just eight songs. Yeah, That's eight songs weird, on the European man. version. Yeah. That is so weird. Anyway, but um, if you think about it, then side one was much longer than side two. You know, think about it, because those four songs aren't as long as uh, Remember Tomorrow and, you know, Phantom of the Opera. All right. But uh, yeah, I love it. I love the little siren, but I said this in past episodes. Boy, when they put a siren in a song, I love it. Escape from the Island, War Pigs. I love sirens and songs, you know? I don't know why Sangster was left off the original pressing, because it's a great song. I love it. And great, great song. Love it. It's fast. It's furious. Love it. Nothing really much more to say about it. How about you, Ian? Uh, I already said. I did. Oh, okay. All right, so should we go to uh, Charlotte the Harlot? I, I will take it, because this is my favorite track on the album. Go ahead. Uh, absolutely love it. And it's kind of a running joke with my old lady because, uh, you know, for the first, I don't know how many years of our relationship, always revolved around every Friday night. Uh, you know, and, and she works weekends, so she goes to bed early. But I'm like, hey, whatever we're doing, we got to be done by 10 because I got to listen to Eddie Trunk when his show was live. And I would call in every week, always trying to win contests. And nine times out of ten, I would request Charlotte the Harlot. And he never, ever played Charlotte the Harlot. And I, to, to the point where I thought it was me, so I had her call a couple times and asked for it. I think Eddie just doesn't like Charlotte the Harlot. But uh, I fucking love it. It's, uh... My favorite part would be the breakdown, you know, where he starts singing slow, you know, yes. Charlotte, you left me alone and bleh, you know, and uh, picking up pieces. Oh, God, that part right there, uh, the way he sings that is so amazing and, and shows that he did have range and he could change it up. And, man, I just, I don't know, there's just something so magical about that part. It's like, I love the fast part, that... You know, but then when it, I'm always waiting for that epic, you know, slowdown part. And, uh, you know, this is the first of the, the Charlotte uh, trilogy, they call it, would it continue with 22 Acacia Avenue and uh, uh, the one on Fear of the Dark. Uh, From Here to Eternity, I believe they said it was part of the Charlotte trilogy. Yes. But, uh, it, you know, yeah, from here to eternity, uh, whatever. Uh, I love, I love Twenty Two Acacia Avenue. Some say but, hooks in you too is part of it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I have heard that. But yeah, that's like an unofficial. Thing. Yeah, but but none of them come close to the the majesty uh, that is Charlotte the Harlot. And hey, man, I love Twenty Two, but to to me, it's all about the original. Uh, oh. I mean, just an all-time maiden favorite in my in my top five. I actually love Charlotte the Harlot. What do you think, Greg? Oh, I I I'm totally on board with this song. I love it. I love that slow part in the middle. The 
the, the Meza voice by Paul is amazing. I it, it's a it's a great song. I love it. And and I and what I love about this album is like everything works on it. You know, and, if you and let it. If you let. It. But but the th- the thing is, you know, as Ralph said, you know, he was around back then. You know, he, you know, so he was there when this album was brand new and, you know, he lived through and, you know, maybe kept releasing albums and, you know, when they changed their sound. And so I, I came on here as a, you know, as a, as a new Iron Maiden fan a couple of years back, but it's like I'm listening to this for the first time. I'm like, wow, I, how, why did, did I miss this album? You know, I, I beat myself up over it, you know, one of many things why. Um, but I, I absolutely love this song. I love this whole album. Spoiler alert. But it's, I, I totally fell in love with this album on the first listen, in spite of the fact that it was a different Iron Maiden than what I was used to. And I, I totally love Charlotte the Harlot. Great, great song. No complaints here. It's a fine example of early Maiden mixing the heavy and the prog stuff without overblowing it to massive proportions. <laughs> you said blowing. You, you can't help it. That's can't. right. Blow! Man. All right. Oh man, I got, I gotta, I gotta agree with Ian on the part where that breakdown part. That to me is the greatest Paul Diano moment ever, ever. Is the is the breakdown part? The singing he does on that part. That is my favorite part of the whole fucking album. That little section, how he sings it. Well, all I can say is go listen to the '88 version where Dickinson went in the studio and sang this song. Oh, it's horrible. Oh, horrible. Yeah. Look, 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 those those 88 versions, uh, no, that that's during Bruce's worst period, so sucks. Yeah, it's terrible. It's just fucking terrible. And, and that's why I prefer this shit. And another, uh, this is the example, 136 on this album, why I, pers- <laughs> I, I, I prefer uh, the piano stuff. And just talking about it really like makes me say, wow, man, why did you like Killers more? Because this album is more, and I like Killers almost as much, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of things about Killers, which you'll find out next week, that I love so much, just as much as this album. But there's something about these songs. Again, Charlotte the Harder is a glowing example why I think the Diano era is better and why I think Diano's voice is better for me than Dickinson. Fuck technical shit technical. Fuck that, dude. Like I told Greg earlier, there could be a guy that walks in with a 10-inch cock and a guy with a 3-inch cock that'll make fucking Greg come before the 10-inch <laughs> cock will. You know what I'm saying? I, I think it, I think it's pretty obvious what cock I'd pick. Uh, well, are, are, are you are you length or girth? Uh, length. But oh, I prefer oh. the cum. <laughs> Hey, look! If it works better, I don't even care. You know, it, it can be it can be long, it can be short, fat, thin, black, white, yellow. Who gives a fuck? As long as it works, great. Oh my! I don't <laughs> discriminate. Oh dear. <laughs> you know, you know, Ian, we're losing all our homophobic listeners. <laughs> oh, oh, you mean the, the other three? <laughs> oh my! Oh my! Yeah, uh, well, you, you had me worried there for a second. I was worried you'd discriminate. Because I'm like a tuna can. I'm like two inches deep, but I'm like six across. So I, I hope you can make room for me. Oh, is that, oh, is that an invitation here? <laughs> Homo! <laughs>
fact. Hey, uh, hey, Ian. Um, I have a fridge full of rolling rock, and because of you. <laughs> so, uh, so if you allow me to suck your rolling rock cock, I'll do what you want me to do. <laughs> my, fa my favorite guest ever. <laughs> like, I'll blow you for yeah. a can of rolling rock. Yeah. <laughs> Bill Wang, get on your knees, cause you know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh man! I have, a, <laughs> I have a question for you, Ralph. It's a little bit more back on subject. <laughs> okay. Because um, I know you love, uh, you know, the Dia you know, Diana's voice and stuff in general. Um, what, what do you think? You know, do you agree or disagree with me on this? Um, when on Killers and the debut Diana album he did in '84 in Battlezone, he became a better singer compared with the debut album because i think he got better throughout the 80s because i think as cheesy as that diano album in 84 with all the fucking you know journey keyboards and stuff i think he sounds absolutely amazing on that record how about you well to tell you the truth that album turned me off so much and i do have it in mp3 form that i never really listened to it again but i can talk about battle zone no problem and nomad i mean i i've kept up with them but uh Oh man, the first Battlezone album, very underrated. Heavy, fast, killer. Uh, Children of Man is a little more um, refined and a little more commercial. I love Children of Madness. Oh, my I, I, that's my preferred one, but yeah. I love both. You know what, dude? I do too. I prefer Children of Madness. Even though it's a little more refined and a little more commercial, I think it's a little more where he needed to be. I prefer those first two main albums, you know? Uh, how he sang, like studio-wise, I guess it's music-wise, has a lot to do with it. You know, I mean, I know a lot of people disagree with me too uh, when I say this, but I prefer Ozzy and Sabbath, and I love Ozzy's solo shit, but you know, Ozzy and Sabbath to me was the best Ozzy. You know? Oh yeah! Oh that. Oh yeah! Oh, I, that I don't disagree. All I don't disagree. Solo. I don't disagree. Who, who in the who in the fuck who in the right? I think I've only heard one person. Who said they prefer Ozzy solo? There's a few people I've seen. There, there, and actually, I'm not lying when I say this. I've heard more than a few people say they prefer the Speak of the Devil versions in the Black Sabbath songs. Yeah, I, I got a good idea what fucking face group they're in, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So, yeah, um, that there and the other thing, man. So, the last song. Let's get into it, man. Oh, uh, an epic. Uh, well, I mean, not epic as far as a song, but I mean, epic in its importance and its statement. I mean, it is, you know, not only the title track of the album, but of the band. And the one song that you know you're going to hear at every show, and, and and I never mind it. You know, there's times where I'm like, oh, fuck, you know, here's, uh, you know, fucking Hollow Be That Name again, you know. And now it's that way with Fear of the Dark, and I'm like, really? But here's the one, like, you want every fucking show to end with this. Well, let me ask you a question, Ian. Is there any song, I know they don't overplay it, but if they did, would there be any song from the first two albums they play live and you'd go, oh, not this again? Uh... No, but I, but I mean, in, in all fairness, that's hard to say because none of the other ones are as constant as this. Right. But you know, offhand, no, I, I don't, I don't think so. But you know, you know, my, my thing, especially with uh, 
songs like Fear of the Dark and uh, Hallowed Be Thy Name, they're so fucking long, too. It's like, God damn, you could have squeezed another couple, you know, two more classic tracks in, you know, in, in the time you're taking to do this. Where Iron Maiden is quick to the point, but it's always like, you know, here's Eddie and, you know, it's awesome. It's the end of the show. But it's not overblown. It's not like, oh, they could have played four more songs if they didn't play Iron Maiden. But I, I, I kind of feel that way with, like, you know, when they do shit like fucking, you know, Hollow Be Thy Name, which, I, I mean, I still love, but it's so long. And, and Fear the Dark, I don't get why that is, like, such a instant classic now. I, well, I think it's because it has a lot to do with the crowd participation. Yeah, when they sing the parts. That's why they did. Yeah, if it yeah. didn't have that part, it probably wouldn't have survived. Right, but I, uh, crowd, you know, I'd rather the songs, the crowd sing a good song. Well, I'm with you, Ian. I mean, I don't hate it as much as you do, but I'm with you. I, I, I'd welcome them taking that off the. Yeah. But I'd welcome them taking like ninety percent off that newer shit off, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but, well, and and I brought this up before in the past, though. That is one thing. You can never say, like, oh, they just started doing this. Every fucking Maiden tour, they play half the fucking album. And they've always done that. You look at you look at Live After Death. Half the songs are off of fucking uh, Power Slave. They've always done that. And I respect that, that they believe that much in their new product. And, and, and I, I they have my utmost respect. The problem being nowadays is... The new material just isn't that good, you know. But I respect the balls. Like, hey, we're not going to be a nostalgia act. We're not going to do that. But hey, what what's the tour everybody wants to see is when they do the nostalgia tours. Yeah. Because the songs are better, you know. And just just pure and simple. I get so tired of new band. I mean, of older bands going. Uh, I don't even want to do a new album. When you play a new song, people go to the bathroom. You know when people go to the bathroom is when the new song sucks. Yep. You know, I mean, I mean, Ralph. You, you know, yeah, we're we're a little bit closer in age. You remember when we would go see bands every year? There would always be new classics every album, yep. and when they would play, when they would play that new single, everybody would go ape shit. You know. Yep. You, you know, you know, prime. Ex uh, when I saw ACDC on the Razor's Edge tour. When they played Thunderstruck, people didn't go to the fucking bathroom. People went fucking aim shit because it was a great new song. Well, you, brought, you, you bring up an interesting point, Ian, because that 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 really does contradict and really does make you make them look so blind because them saying shit like, "Oh, we play a new song, people go to the bathroom." They, they, what they refuse to see is that because your new shit sucks. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. It, it, it's not. It's it's not good. I I, I mean, it, it's it's not horrible, but it's not breaking new ground. And then everything is fucking overly long for for no reason. You know, they got this, you know, pr you know, shit like Angel and the Gambler. Uh, you know. Oh God! I <laughs> well, well, I mean, I mean, you, you mentioned before about them repeating. Uh, you know, in in Prowler. Well, it works in Prowler because Prowler's only three three minutes and fifty five seconds. But like, you know, a song like Angel and the Gambler, and yeah, it's easy to pick on the Blaze shit, but there's plenty of Bruce songs where they do the same thing, you know? Heaven Can Wait, uh, Blood Brothers, I mean, there's all kinds of shit from the 80s, from the 90s, and now. 
that is just overly repetitive, overly long. They need someone to tell them no. But it ain't Kevin Shirley, apparently, because he just hits record and lets them do what they want. I mean, somebody has to stand up. The person who's killing Iron Maiden is Steve Harris. Steve Harris. And has been for a long fucking time. They need you know? to get Roy. They need to get Roy Z into that studio and take Caveman off the controls and take yeah. Steve Harris off the controls and let a real producer get in there and you know produce that band properly and not make it sound all sterile and flat. I, and I, I, I think they just need to kick Steve Harris out and replace him with Bobby Dahl. Because he can do, because you ever heard on Skinny Bob, he can do that. Because that's all he'll do, and he'll shut up and, hey, let the other guys have a shot, man. But it, it, it's so ridiculous and bloated now. That being said, every time Maiden comes around, I will go see them live. Every time a new Maiden album comes out, I will check it out. And I will hope for the fucking best because I love this band. But I really think they lost the point, and they lost it a long time ago. But uh, it, it takes nothing away from the respect that I have for them. Uh, they, they they were great, but man, their 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 time unfortunately has passed. Maybe maybe the the next time will change my mind. I doubt it, but I'll be there, you know, first day anyway. You know. Well, but uh, I. I have to agree with Greg Barnes as far as Roy Z goes because man, what that guy did with Angel Retribution, holy fuck, oh, yeah. that's a great oh, yeah. sounding album. And and it's an album. Look, coming off those Ripper albums, which is the same, it's the same scenario as Steve Harris. Glenn Tipton over was the run he ran fucking Drew's Priest. And no, I right. know a lot of people are gonna disagree with me, but I think those albums suck. I really do. I'm not a fan of those Ripper albums. I just. And, and then when Angel Retribution came, it was like, all right, here is somebody taking the fucking, uh, you know, the reins away from Glenn Tipton and letting other people shine. And uh, it shows. Uh, there's a big, big... Anybody that thinks Angel Retribution is not as good as a Ripper album, uh, stay in your unpopular metal group. <laughs> you know, I, I want to say, though, I don't think Kevin Shirley is a bad producer sonically. I, I just think they need somebody that'll tell them, hey, this is bloated. And, and there's an interview on, on one of their videos where he says, basically he says that nobody can tell them no. Like, they don't care if it's 2000 or whatever, they're going to do a song that's 14 minutes and nobody's going to tell them no. And I, I, I think that's a problem. And I don't know if Roy Z could tell Steve Harris no. I just When you, when you get a band that's this long in the tooth, I think it's really hard for them to find somebody who A, would stand up to them, but B, they would listen to anyway. Because, I mean, that's the main thing. At the end of the day, he's going to do what he wants to do. Now, when you're when you're young, younger, you're more humble because uh, you haven't proven anything. And you're more receptive, I think, to, to criticism and to ideas. And, I again, I don't think there's anybody out there that could tell him, and I don't think it's because Kevin's a bad producer, it's just, he doesn't even try to say, you know, he just tries to make it sound the best he can, and that's not the problem with the albums, it's not sonically, it's just songwriting-wise. Well, that's one of them, I just say sonically is a problem, and it's overstretched, that, those are my two main beefs. Right. 
But uh, did you get to talk about the, the, the track Iron Maiden, right? No, but I will now. Um, it's it's a great it's a great final song of the album. As much as I like it, it's my least favorite mm-hmm. out of the out of, yeah. Um, I, but it's not because I don't like it or anything. It's just because I think the the previous songs are better. But I do know you know it, it's an important song. It's you know their signature song or one of them. And so I still like it, and there's still a great energy and stuff. But you know it. It's great, but it's not as great as the previous songs, if that makes sense. But I still like it. That's an unpopular opinion, but... uh, Oh, I'm sorry. I was kicked out of the group. So there you go. Yeah. All right. Well, I I, I haven't talked about it. Uh, Yeah, uh, I agree with Ian. It's one of those songs that it's very much welcome live. So is that piano era stuff. I love it. I love the song. I think it's a, it's a great uh, way to end the album. It's a great way to end their show, but you know, it usually doesn't. It's, it's the song before the encore, but still, either way, uh, it's, yeah. it's a yeah. good way to, to end you know, the, the major part of the show. And uh, great for Eddie to come out, and uh, I love it. And I love, uh, I love the Soundhouse tape version of this song. Maybe even a little more. It's a little more... I don't know, it's just a little more, I don't know, I, I don't know why, I just think it's a little better. But uh, I love this version, I love the two little drum beats at the very end, like, ba-boom, it's so loud, you know, before it ends, before it does the last chord, and uh, I love it, yeah, and it repeats itself over and over again, and it makes sense to me, it's fucking awesome. And, you know, and another thing we didn't really discuss was how punky Iron Maiden kind of was, you know, on this album. More of this album than, than Killers. Killers still has that element. Oh, definitely. But yeah. there yep. is kind of like a punk rock influence, even though Steve Harris is infamous for hating punk rock. Uh, right, but I, I think it was just part of Deano that yeah. came across no matter what he tried to stop. Exactly, because Deano's attitude and his voice, it, it right. kind of like emphasizes, like makes, makes it sound more punk rocky, but also the music too. Is kind of, you know, at times it's not so precision. And it's a little more spread, like like the song Iron Maiden is a little, you know, I wouldn't say punk rock, but it does have some kind of elements of looseness and uh, not so precise. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, it's very raw, undefined, but it works. Great song, awesome song. Yeah. All righty. Well, this album was released in April of 1980, April 14th to be exact. Uh, didn't chart over here in the colonies, um, but it did in the UK. It, it went to number four in the UK, as a matter of fact, and it did go platinum, and it went gold in Germany and go in uh, platinum in Canada, but has no uh, certification here in the States. Uh, a, yeah, a legendary album that everybody loves except Steve Harris. So, yeah, he loves the uh, songs. He did say he likes the songs. But yeah, he's just pissed off yeah. at the production. I don't even think the production's that bad. I don't think it's I mean, bad at all, though. But then again, I'm no, not a good no. of production. I I, 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 I don't think it's bad. No, I, I, I think it suits the music. You know. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Raw, raw songs with raw production. You know, I. I'll take raw production over overproduction any time. You know, 
Who, uh, this guy, Will Malone, he should have produced every Queen album, and maybe I'd like it more. <laughs> uh, fuck Roy Thomas Baker. Oh, wow. Fuck him in the ass. No, I'm talking to you, Greg Barnes. Oh, fuck thanks. Him in the ass. <laughs> glad, glad. Oh, dear. Uh, and also, it's, it's important to mention that this is the only album with Dennis Stratton. Now, where I get confused, and admittedly, I'm very bad with this. When you have two guitar bands, uh, one thing I loved about Judas Priest and their liner notes, they used to say who was taking the lead in the break. I have no idea what's Dave Murray and what's fucking Dennis Stratton. All I know is they sound great, you know. But and, you know, uh, but, but here's the thing: even with Adrian Smith, sometimes it's confusing me. I don't know who's doing what. When you hear KK and Glenn, you know who's doing what. See, I I I, I, I don't. Really? I don't. Well, well fucking like, Glenn is more whammy bar and a little more uh, organic. Or, or, I mean, uh, KK is more that way. Where Glenn is a little more on the mark, you know? I don't like 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 you say, Ralph. You don't have an ear for production. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of like that with guitars. One big piece, you know. So I mean, maybe it's because I'm not looking for it. I'm just like, oh, it sounds good. Yeah, but, I'm not really looking for it either. It's just that when it sounds, I go, oh, that, you know, I, I automatically know. Like you know, yeah. if you're listening to Wasp, and you listen right. to Wasp as a piece, not knowing it's Wasp, you're gonna go, oh, that's Blackie Lawless. You know what I mean? Right. But I I'm more like that with with vocalists. But you know, when right. it comes to guitar and twin guitar bands. Uh, it, it's very hard for me to, to decipher who's who. Uh, but I, I love Dennis Stratton, and he does have his fans. Uh, a lot of people consider this their greatest album. And uh, they opened up for Kiss on this uh, album. They were opened up for Kiss on their European Unmasked tour. And uh, it was also there that they decided to kick Dennis Stratton out because uh, Rod Smallwood wasn't happy with the fact that Dennis Stratton liked the Commodores and and Earth, Wind, and Fire, and he liked all kinds of funky stuff. Even though he didn't play it in Iron Maiden, uh, Rod just didn't like that period that he was into that, you know. Yeah, plus and plus, what Stratton would do is uh, is backstage uh, he would hang with with Kiss with, with all right. the Kiss guys instead of his right. home bands. Right, and. Uh, but man, I, I would like to hear more from him. I mean, I, I do have, you know, the album with him and Deanna with with Praying Mantis. But other than that, there's not a whole lot of Dennis Stratton to listen to. I saw but Dennis Stratton I, live once. Did I tell you that story? Uh, I don't know. I'm drunk. I, I, I think I did bring it up. I saw. I went to a. a it was called Sun and Steel, oddly enough, uh, festival in uh, Tampa. And headlining one of the shows was Dennis Stratton with uh, Al Atkins. And, oh, uh, wow. Yeah, and they did, it was kind of like a new wave of British heavy metal thing. And uh, they did play Family Opera, I believe. I'm trying to I'm very drunk. It was fucking horrible. I hate to say this because I'm such a big Dennis Stratton fan. Right. But it was really bad. And they did Victim of Changes, and I was like, oh, my God, no. <laughs> and you know yeah. Al Atkins is the guy that wrote Victim of Change. Right. But man, right. well, yeah, half of it. Yeah. It sounded like this. <laughs> Ooh, that's tight. You like that, Greg? Oh, yes, I do. Hey, hey. <laughs> yeah, I'm just being honest. Yeah, I know. Fact. That's right. Fact. 
Alrighty. Well, uh, since you are our very, very special guest, Greg, do you have a pick of the week? Uh, yes, I do. And, uh, I, I would like to recommend a band that, quite frankly, is, is one I really like. And one that I, I think you, you two like as well. And it's it's a ba- it's a band that I like to call ACDC. Nice. And and my my pick, you know, because it was mentioned it was mentioned earlier, uh, kind of cliche, but I had to listen to it recently, and I still love it. It is the first album, excuse me, second album with Brian Johnson for those about to rock. Love it. And you know, I had to listen to it the other day just to kind of refresh my memory and. I love it. I'll go far as saying that it's my favorite Brian Johnson. It's mine album. as well. Mine as and, well. And my favorite vocally with Brian Johnson overall. I think that I think that's him at his peak, and I think that's the best post Bon Scott ACDC DC album. Love it. Every track. Nice. Great, great album. All right. My pick of the week. Uh, and that keeps within what we're talking about. I know we don't normally don't do it, but fuck it, I'm drunk, I'm lazy. Uh, I'm gonna pick Bruce Dickinson's first solo album that a lot of people hate, but I absolutely Hello. love That's Tattooed Millionaire. <laughs> I love this album. Uh, I-, I love the-, the-, the title track, I like Born in 58. Uh... Son of a Gun, uh, man! I, I just thought it was it was cool because it was so different, and at a time when Maiden I, I think was starting to lose losing the point, he just went off, and it is kind of cock rockish, but uh, I just like the simplicity of it, especially coming after uh, you know it was released before No Prayer, and coming after Seventh Son, which was so overblown. I thought it was neat to go off in another direction, and you know, and at that time, I loved that kind of cock rock, and uh, I, I think he sounds great on it. He's hey, he at least sounds energized, uh, you know, for doing his own thing. I got turned off with his next album, Balls to Picasso. I really didn't care for, and I don't, I don't even think I checked it out. I think I just heard that Tears of a Clown or some shit like that. Tears of the Dragon. Tears of the Dragon, yeah. Tears of Clown's another shitty song. <laughs> I, I heard that Tears Tears of the Dragon. I'm like, at eh, next. And I, I didn't check out Bruce Solo shit for you. Like, when Accident of Birth came out, I didn't get it because I hated that Dragon song so bad. <laughs> but, uh, you know, years later, I, I discovered loved it. Uh, probably my favorite Bruce Dickinson, of course, would be Chemical Wedding. But uh, but I think I've already picked that as a pick of the week. And, and I still stand by the fact that I love Tattooed Millionaire. Uh, I know that's an unpopular pick of the week, but uh, I stand by it. What do you think, Ralph? I think it sucks, yeah. I like Son of a Gun, but the rest is just terrible. Uh, I did not like Balls of Picasso. Believe it or not, Skunk Works was not bad, even though it is different. It's oh, I, I, I love it now, but I didn't discover it until years later. Yeah, it's not, it's not so bad. I mean, I remember uh, I got a promo of it because I used to do a radio show at an actual radio station uh, where I got a promo of it and I took it home, I listened to it and it was like, 
eh, you know, this ain't too bad. I mean, it's not what you'd expect, but eh. But man, when, when Accident of Earth came out, you know, I remember my friend uh, at the radio show, he played uh, Road to Hell. And I was like, oh, fuck, now this is fucking, this is better than Iron Maiden, you know, since fucking Power Slave. And Chemical Wedding, yeah. I don't know, dude. To me, it's a toss-up between those two. The last, the last one, tyr Tyranny or whatever the fuck, it's not bad either, but I I don't think it stands up to those two. Those two were No, I, 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 I agree. Tyranny I agree. of Souls, I think it was called? I yeah. Think. Yeah. Well, my pick of the week is a very underrated album by Kansas. Something you don't really hear much about. Uh, 1979's Monolith. Um, I think it's an exceptionally great album. I'm a big fan of Kansas, though. I, I, I love that 70s shit. I like some of the 80s stuff, too. Uh, Monolith is one that uh, is very underrated, not very talked about, never really played live since that tour. But man, songs like People of the Southwind was, was the single that I remember hearing in the radio back then. There's a video for it. Uh, Angels of Fallen, I love that song. And a Glimpse of Home. How My Soul Cries Out For You is one of the heaviest uh, Kansas songs ever. Uh, 1979's Monolith is my pick of the week. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know shit from that album. I'm not a big Kansas fan. But if you like it, hats off to Roy Harper. Yeah, there you go. And I, I know they do have their fans, so there you go. Hell yeah. I love, my, I love Kansas. Great fan. All right. Well, now it's time to go to fan of the week. And this week, I don't have a fan of the week per se, but I have fans of the week. And this is me throwing a lifeboat out to the fans and the members of unpopular metal opinions. Oh boy. Because these poor lost souls have no friends. Nobody talks to or talks about the people from unpopular metal opinions. I mean, this is a real sad lot. Uh, you know, I, I I don't even think their own mothers talk to them. They probably just open up the door to the basement and set like a tray of pizza rolls there and then close it, you know, and let them come up, you know, maybe throw them a Hot Pocket or a Capri Sun every once in a while. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> these poor, poor bastards with their Lunchables and their video games. Um, and their virginity. <laughs> yeah, they had their virginity. They couldn't lose that shit if you buried it in the backyard. Uh, uh, anyway, I'm going to give them a little moment in the sun to be part of something popular, like the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast Fan of the Week segment. Because so many former fans of the week have gone on to lose their virginity. Yeah. And while I can't promise it's going to happen to this sad sack of fucking losers, you never know. I see I see fucking Greg Barnes knowing how a vagina works before that happens. Yeah. All I'm going to say is Greg Barnes gets way more ass. Yeah. Fact! 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 And, and uh, it's good that you make a fan of the week because we, we, we make people fan of the week that listen to our show. And, you know, we're at the very end of the show, and they are listening right now. <laughs> yeah, they're choking on a Hot Pocket. You got to watch out. You'll burn your lip on those ham and cheese ones, you dumbasses. I, I want unpopular metal reviews to tell me, what do they think of this song? <laughs> That's tight. 
<laughs> All right. Well, before we get to the plugs, Greg, plug the shit out of your podcast, why don't you? And let the good people know about all the other things you're part of. You you, you can find me on YouTube under Greg Synth Bootlegs for the Queen shows and Greg Synth Wizard for the Elton John shows. And if you want to hear me rant and rave about songs and have two people, you know, make me look good, check out the podcast, Ironcast, a.k.a. Angry Samoan. Check it out on Podbean. Angry Samoan. Get back. Angry Samoan? Yeah, that's like the that's the nickname. Of what? Like when that's... you type in Angry Samoan, it'll come up. Yeah, that's like... a Mr. T thing. Oh, okay. That's his nickname. Oh. A- Angry Unpopular Samoan. <laughs> <laughs> cool band, by the way. Yes. From Australia. Yes. And uh, I, I am a big fan of the Ironcast podcast. Uh, I, I love you guys, and... Uh, and uh, hats off to you for doing it as long as you have. And uh, keep going. You are definitely the most uh, successful of our spawns, if you will. So, yeah, uh, you're con- from the best. Congratulations and uh, very happy for you guys. Thanks. I can't believe I haven't been kicked out yet. That's amazing in itself. No yeah, offense, well, but well, you're, you're my favorite part of that show. <laughs> no, I, I don't mean. No, I like everybody on that show, but you're my favorite. Oh, well, well, because because of the the slight uh, Cockney accent or something else. <laughs> no, I, I take you know. You know, the funniest thing is uh, is Ralph absolutely loves you, Greg, and yeah. it went from ori- originally though he's like this asshole will never be on our show. I didn't like now- you. I didn't like you before. To, to now, oh, you you are his favorite, and he could not wait to get you back on here. Yeah, I, yeah, Ian, I would always tell Ian, we got to get Greg Barnes back, man. I like him. And, oh, you know, yeah, oh, no, yeah. but you know what? Look, in, in, in my defense, I never really hated Greg Barnes. I just never thought he'd be good, you know? And you surprised <laughs> me. You really did surprise me. You were fucking amazing on the last show, and I think on this one, you were just as good. You know? You're, uh, you're... I, I was, I was, try, I was trying, because it's like... You know, I just, I just want, I just want to have fun and talk about music. I know, but uh, but Greg, you, you are like one of my favorites because uh, you're just funny, dude. I, I like, uh, I like your your spunk. You got spunk, uh, not yeah. only not only on your face, but you got spunk in general. Yeah, yeah, and, <laughs> and you know, besides being funny, you know, sucking our cocks doesn't hurt your chances either. Yeah. I'm just saying. true. I'm doing what it takes here, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, unlike that that poser fag, Justin Childers, Greg Barnes is a real thing. Oh yeah, oh and Justin, oh all team, all team. <laughs> he's using bad technique, there, you know. Oh god, you know, yeah. There's been some failed attempts. Who was it? Michael Howard. He's like putting it in his ear, like smacking himself in the face with it. It's like you don't even know what to do. Major gag flex reflexes on that dude. Yeah, but not that. Yeah, I mean, come you on, were like, man. that's such like, a turn off. Yeah, and they're not right. even halfway in the mouth of these guys. Oh, man, you go all the way down. You play with the stepchildren. I mean, you really know what you're doing. And, uh, and I'll tell you another thing, man. I'm so glad that your episode did good because I was like, when we recorded it, we had so much fun. And I know you remember, we never did what we did with you. We stayed on air and talked to you for about two or three hours. Which ain't going to happen today, by the way. 
yeah, yeah, not today. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Walking Dead's coming back on. Hey, but what anyway, time is that on, by the way? Uh, nine o'clock your time. Yeah, I gotta watch it because people on Facebook are gonna ruin it for me. I watch yeah. Walking Dead on on an internet on an internet show at work, on an internet channel that uploads all that illegal shit. But right. this one, I can't, I have to watch, man. Before I go oh yeah, because assholes will ruin it. Totally. Yeah, you know who's gonna who's gonna get beat with that bat, you know? Yeah. You want to do some predictions since you know we don't know? Um, I'm. Part of me wants to say Carl, and part of me says Maggie. You know who I think it is? Because it's so out of left field, and I'm sure I'm probably gonna be wrong, but it would really shock everybody. That is Rick. No, no, no. Oh, you, oh, you didn't, you didn't watch last week's special. Oh no, no, don't even tell me about it. Okay, okay. Don't even tell me about it. Okay, I'm not gonna say anything. Okay, don't tell me nothing about it. All right, go ahead. Uh, I don't even know what what kind uh, of special was it? Was it like a talk show? Uh, well, well, no, 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 no. They did a they did a two hour special last week that was a recap of the entire series, and it ended with a preview of tonight's show and basically it shows you like the first minute and a half of tonight's show uh-huh. and and you still don't know who got hit but you know it ain't Rick okay. so, All right. it's not Rick thanks but Thank uh you. yeah you ruined it but uh <laughs> and, and they ruined it for everybody why would you stop with these fucking little teases see I was thinking it was Rick because It'd be so shocking if it was, you know what I mean? Like nobody yeah. would have guessed that. That's why I was guessing that one. Well, I you you know it's not going to be Daryl because he's too much. That, that all the women that watch for Daryl and they took they took us. It's still the number one show on TV, but it took a little dip last year, so they won't fuck with Daryl because they're too afraid. You know, women won't watch anymore. So right. women you know, like dirty balls. I mean, when's the last time that guy took a shower? Seriously. 1990, never. I don't think he took a shower even before the zombie apocalypse. Ah, uh, jeez. He's he's a true dirtbag, just like Greg Barnes. Greg Barnes, who do you th- do you watch The Walking Dead? I'm afraid to say I do not. Okay. So. Oh. Okay. And and you know to tell you the truth, I, I watch it because I'm at work and stuff, but I really think it's kind of an overrated show. Though. Well, uh, Greg, in that case, then who do you think is going to win Project Runway? Uh, I I wouldn't know to be honest. So okay, all right, okay. You're you're being. All right, how about how about who's the who's who's your next idol that's gonna catch AIDS? <laughs> oh God, I gotta got a list. How did um, how did Elton <laughs> John survive? How did that happen? It's funny. Look at that picture. He's all drunk. How, how the fuck did this guy not catch AIDS? He he even he said himself. He admitted he was extremely lucky. So, yeah, no shit. I, I don't know how. That guy should play yeah, a lot of. But I, I, I'm. I think he, he's he's a pitcher, because it's harder to catch if you're pitching. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. He he's a he's a manly girl, you know. He's he's in charge. But uh, <laughs> what I was gonna say though before we got sidetracked, uh, Greg is I was worried that your episode wasn't going to do that well because, A, it's Queen, uh, B, you were on it. You're a queen. And and three, it was like one of the worst Queen albums ever. 
But that episode did extremely well. And I attribute a lot of that to how good you were on that episode yeah. because I really, really think you did a hell of a job. And uh, you being back on here so quick is testimony uh, to what we thought of your performance, man. I think you did a great job. Thanks. I mean, yeah. you know, were, I just right. want to have fun. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's what all the gay guys say. Yeah, yeah girls yeah. just want to have fun. Yeah, girls just want to have great fun. Song, great song. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, you, you know, another thing, too, which I, I find, like, amusing, you know, the Iron Maiden does have, like, manly fans, and I, I think we're going to lose some fans uh, by listening to this, because they're going to hear Greg Barnes, and they're, like, homophobic and leave. I think we should have Greg Barnes on the next Slayer and Pantera episode as well. We'll have a, max ex- a mass exodus of fucking homophobes. Well, well no, 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 no. Here, here, here's what I really want Greg to come back for. Because I know I've already got his interest peaked with their album covers. We gotta have Greg <laughs> Greg Barnes back for Man of War. <laughs> yeah. That anthology cover, man. Yeah. And I would love to review Man of War because I'm a huge fan of Man of War. I love yeah. me some Man of War. The, the yeah. covers or the music? <laughs> well, the cover, the, the music. Come on, man. The covers are, <laughs> the covers are terrible. I mean, some of them are cool. Like, I, I like like Kings of Battle. That's a cool album cover. And the first one, Battle End. But Into Glory Ride? No, no. More like Into Glory Holes, you know? <laughs> that was the censored title. Yeah. All, All right. right. Yeah, so uh, what do you say we do the plugs? Yeah, get to the rest of them. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's. Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K. 8 p.m. UK time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it, don't be a cunt. Ear Pillar, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to earpillar.com to find out what we're all about. You haven't listened to Mars Attacks podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal-based podcasts. You'll find everything from music-based episodes, interviews, to series such as ultra-sexy classic album series, where some of your favorite musicians, producers, journalists, and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. Music's most diverse podcast, starring Luke Innes. Greg Sims Bootlegs and Mr. T from Germany. New episodes released every Saturday on Podbean, Podcast Addicts and iTunes. The True Alternative Podcast. Alright Kiss Army, since 2007 you've been getting Podkissed, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your podcast. Every month, the podcast crew, along with the Kiss Room, brings you Kiss Talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great Kiss fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkiss. Hi, this is Bruce and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkiss, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... 
and you'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll, and it's always free. All right. Well, if you enjoyed this Queer as Folk episode, and we know you did, come back next week when we don't necessarily have an album to talk about, but we're bringing back Greg Barnes so I can read my AIDS test results. <laughs> Find out if he's a keeper. That's next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Oh, my. Oh, dear. <laughs>